You're lying to me. I know you. You can't fool me. Help! You're lying. You're no policeman. Why can't you leave me alone? I know who you are. I know what you are. We're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul, and I'm Kevin. And wow, um, we're we've been away for a while. Like I feel like it's been forever talking about Twilight Zone. Yeah, kind of it, it, a regular episode at least. Uh, hopefully, you guys got a chance to check out the live episode from a few weeks ago. That was uh, it was a lot of work, but it ended up being really fun. I hope it's something we can do again in the future. So let us know if you guys enjoyed that. Yeah, no, that was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and, and my, my version of fun is I'm really frustrated and anxious and scared and mad until it's over. And then it's the greatest time ever. So it was, it was a lot of fun <laughs> once we, uh, like once we like, we're, and we're out like that was like, you know, then I could breathe a sigh of relief and be like, yes, I enjoyed this. Up until that point, I was waiting for me to fall over and knock over things and cause sparks to fly and set fire to your house. That's what I was waiting for to happen um, and fall out of a window somehow, even though I was in your basement. Yeah, it went pretty successful, though. I mean, uh, seeing as none of the actors who performed the radio play had read the script until that night. Like I was, I was shocked how well that thing went over. So. Yeah. And, little, yeah. A little inside baseball for you guys there. <laughs> but um. Yeah, it, it would. It, nothing should have worked as well as it worked that night. <laughs> Definitely, uh, it's on the Facebook. The whole video is up there. If you didn't already listen to it in the podcast feed, if you want to see our uh, our wonderful faces and some of our wonderful friends, um, go check it out. Yeah, and see the Tiki Bar, which is the reason we didn't have an episode last week <laughs> um, before it was finally finished. Yeah, I just, well, like October is just always like I, for some reason, I was like, it's not going to be a busy month. And it became like the busiest month. Like I, and I, you know, and I feel like a show that like we do that deals with like, you know, like the Twilight Zone and like anthology horror, this should be like our bread and butter month. And then we did like, like, you know, we did one episode and then we were on a talk without rhythm, having a great talk there. And I know we talked about that on the Facebook and everything too. And then it's it's our crossover episode. Yeah, it was our crossover. (laughs) And then we disappeared for a while and did our live show. And it's like, I just. I feel like this was our time. And then we, you know, we did some, you know, but then after we were done with that, we're like, we're good for a minute. And it was kind of nice to take a break, recharge the batteries. And I'm excited to talk about some twilight zone again. Uh, not that I was, not that I was like, you know what, after the time helmet, we're done. Like, but it was good to kind of, <laughs> 
you know, it was, it was just good to get away for a second and then come back because, you know, like you miss it after a bit and I miss the conversations about the episode. So this will be fun. Yeah, definitely. But I, I wouldn't say we did less work because I feel like we did more work just on that live show well, than we did that's in the fair. past two seasons of this actual show. <laughs> I, so. I, I like that. Like, it, you're right. Like, so the gestation of this show took a while in terms of like the idea pitch. And then I don't know, it was probably closer to a year, I think, uh, whenever I, I first uh, I threw the idea out to you and then us actually recording something. It was a little while. And then, but the turnaround time for the radio, the live show was we talked about it for a bit and then we committed at the very end of like, like August and the beginning of September. And I realized that if we like, it was like, oh, well we got time and we didn't have time. Like, and it got to be very, very uh, busy in the best way. But you know, if you don't have a deadline, you're not going to get anything done, at least for me, you know? So yeah, it was a lot of work and you know, it was good. It was a lot of work though. Yeah. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. I'm, I'm hoping we get to do something even bigger and better next year. Um, so like I said, let us know if you guys enjoyed it. If you want more, if you hated it and you don't want us to do those ever again, let us know that too. We'll just <laughs> yeah. stick with the regular episodes. Yeah. It's totally cool. But, yeah. um, I enjoyed doing it. It was, it was a good time. As did, I did, I, as did I, um, so, and it's also nice too, cause now we're just recording audio, so I don't have to wear a shirt and tie, you know? So, um, maybe that's how I'm always dressed up when we record. You don't know that. Um, so yeah, I, I'm always wearing a fez, so that's just <laughs> and nothing else. That's <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, this is audio. Yeah. I don't have to wear the the shirt and tie, but uh, or any clothes. But I'm still wearing my fez. Perfect. Sometimes smoking jacket. So. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm just I'm just wearing a tie. That's all I'm wearing. That's it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, this episode it's season three, episode sixteen. Nothing in the dark. Um, the air date was uh, January sixth, nineteen sixty two. Uh, number one film, uh, El Cid with, uh, um, Charlton Heston, uh, probably not playing, you know, he probably playing someone he shouldn't be playing and then in hindsight, but whatever, that's fine. Um, and then number one song, the lion sleeps tonight by the tokens. Um, and so I couldn't find anything from the air date that was, uh, of history. You might have something, I don't know, but two days later on the 8th of 1962, the first two teams of the United States Navy SEALs were commissioned. So that's, that's just not that that's important to this episode or anything, but like the Navy SEALs, like, you know, like that's something that you always kind of hear of, you know, like they're the, the ultimate badasses and this is when they were first commissioned. And I, I never realized that, um, that, uh, SEAL actually stood for sea, air and land. I didn't know that. I did not know like that. I knew it was probably an acronym, but I never put it together. Why, why they were called SEALs other than, yeah, I guess, like, I guess I never did either. That's yeah. interesting. I thought they were I also found animal. out another acronym. I, I guess somebody's name and abbreviation, uh, that's in this episode that I didn't know. So I, I learned two, uh, two things this week. Oh, okay. All right. So, um, what was it? Uh, Kennedy, this is his recommendation for the development of unconventional warfare cap- uh, capability. Um, so I like that SEAL Team 1 was based in, um, was it uh, Coronado, California? And then uh, Team 2 was in Little Creek, Virginia. So it's like you had your, your East Coast Avengers and your West Coast Avengers. That's how it was first started. And, you know, there you go. Seals were The SEALs were commissioned. That was the – and then they, they flopped on the beach and, they you know, they made noises. That's what happened. So there's your history. I like that the seals were commissioned. I like the idea of somebody just paying seals, just throwing money at them, <laughs> like taping a gun to one's flipper and like, you go, go just, you know, 
Yeah, I would. I would that's that's the movie. I, that's the SEAL Team Six movie I want to see. Is actually <laughs> six SEALs going out. Like that's what I want. That's like I feel like that is a. Uh, um, the Pixar the, war has never been so adorable. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's the Pixar movie that will never happen is the actual seal team six, but that's what I want. Um, that needs to happen right now, but yeah, anyway, that's all I got for, for uh, day and date. Yep. So we'll jump into cast and crew here. Uh, this episode was directed by Lamont Johnson, who we previously talked about in the episode shelter. And he also did a recent episode, five characters in search of an exit. And he, will be directing five other episodes of Twilight Zone in the future. So this won't be the last time his name comes up. Mm -hmm. This episode was written by George Clayton Johnson. This was the third episode actually written by him, although there were two before that were based on his treatments or short stories, Execution, Four of Us Are Dying. Um, But there's only two more George Clayton Johnson Hmm. episodes. For uh, what a big contributor and how much he's talked about in the grand scheme of writers that were involved in the show... I, I'm surprised that we're this far through all of his work. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Cause like he's the he's the the distant third compared to um, uh, Richard Matheson and um, oh your guy. Uh, why am I blanking? Uh, Charles, Charles Charles Beaumont. Beaumont. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like 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 we've not talked about him before. Uh, but yeah, yeah, but no, George Clayton Johnson was in the mix. But yeah, like uh, but you're you're right. Like we're almost through his work, and and there's still a lot of Twilight Zone to go. So you'd think that I you know. It makes you wonder what happened. Maybe we'll find out why he wasn't as uh, you know prevalent in the later seasons. Yeah. So this episode was uh, written by him, but there's a lot of speculation and even some admittance from him that a lot of this was based on a, another short story written by, um, um, oh, my God, uh, Ray Bradbury. Oh, okay. So we, we can talk about that later on in the episode when we actually go through the plot because I don't, I don't want to discuss it because it kind of gives away what this episode <laughs> is. So cast, we have Gladys Cooper, who plays Wanda Dunn. And her biggest and most successful role was My Fair Lady, which she was uh, nominated for an Academy Award. She's in two other episodes of The Twilight Zone, but she was uh, a lot of stuff I had not seen. She had a pretty extensive career. She was a British actress that uh, went all the way back to the silent era. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's one of those actresses who had just an incredible career, um, just not too much that I was too familiar with. Yeah, I mean, and and rightfully so, because like the, the time in which she was in her, her heyday, it's not exactly something that is, you know, in terms of like the stage and everything, it's not like we would be constantly aware of her, but she was actually, uh, given the, um, the title of, uh, Dame Commander of the Order of the British Empire, DBE, like how, like that, that's just, I, I know that's a lot of that's just, you know, symbolic, but that's still badass. Be like, who are you? I'm the Dame Commander of the British Empire. Like that's, you know. That that sounds like that means you get seated first at a restaurant. I don't know about anything, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, is that like the equivalent of like being knighted? Yeah, it is. There? Like, is that because, is um, that kind of like the female counterpart? Yeah, because I think the other, I think the male counterpart's the OBE. I think that's. The, I mean, I'm I'm going to be probably wrong um, here, but because I know um, there's a couple, um, you know. Like Anthony Hopkins, I th- has he won? I'm gonna look that up real quick. I'm pretty sure he was knighted. So if that was. Uh, if that's the official turn term for it, um, he he probably would be. Yeah, let's see here. Um, did I did my autocorrect mess up? OBE in British is a officer of the British Empire, um, and then some so out of body experience. No, that's not. That's, 
it's a queen's honor given to an individual for a major local role in any activity. So, um, let's see here. Yeah, there's a few yeah. different ones. There's like CBE, OBE, uh, MBE, but yeah, yeah. So th- that's like the female equivalent of being knighted, basically. Okay, yeah. So, Dame Commander. Pretty, yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, she was one of uh, a, a very short list of um, people who were nominated for a musical in uh, in the Oscars. So she's she's on a very short list for that. So. Very talented actress. And I have a really um, like interesting story about her uh, once we get through the episode. It involves her uh, chemistry with Robert Redford that I want to save uh, for the end. You'll appreciate it when we get there. That's all I'll say about it for now. Very nice. Well, I guess that's a good segue. Yeah. Next up, we have Robert Redford as Harold Belton. Um, I think uh, most people listening to this probably should know who Robert Redford is, but this is the only time he appears on the Twilight Zone. He went on to bigger and better things as far as he was concerned after this. Yeah. Um, so a few that I enjoy, Jeremiah Johnson, Bush, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, um, All the President's Men, A Bridge Too Far, Indecent Proposal, uh, more recently All is Lost. That was one I enjoyed of his. Uh, but he went on to direct and produce films and everything. He had a a uh, pretty wildly successful career to put it lightly, but yeah, previous to this, he worked with uh Sterling on playhouse 90, mm-hmm. where I believe he played Nazi officer. I, well, I mean, I guess you got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> he, had, he definitely had the hair for it, right? Yeah, that's, that's true. That's, that's um, yeah. And he was also in the natural, which I mean, that's, that's one that I remember watching growing up as a kid. Um, and then, um, and I know Kevin does want to mention it because you know, his aversion to comic book movies, but he was just recently in captain America, the winter soldier playing. Oh, uh, that's right. Playing yeah. an important role. That's there. actually, that's my favorite superhero movie. Yeah. Um, and it's good. It, it, Cause like, I know they, they, they cast him in it because they wanted to go for more like a seventies political thriller. So it's like, why not get Robert Redford? Yeah. And so it's like, that was, that was a good call. And that, you know, he did really well on that, but, uh, again, know, why it's my favorite superhero movie. Cause he went for a seventies political thriller. As uh, Sam Jackson said, he's like, this one actually has a story is what I described. Yeah. This movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but, uh, but recently Robert Redford was in a movie called the old man and the gun, which he, the, it had been kind of hinted at that this might be his last film. And then he kind of walked that statement back, which, you know, if you're, if you, are still doing something that you love and you find interesting projects, then, you know, don't say it's your last, you know, just keep an eye out. Right. And, uh, so I've heard, it's, yeah, I heard it's a wonderful it, film. He's, he's definitely earned the right to be selective with the projects he works on oh, yeah. at this point in his career. Like maybe just don't say like, I'm flat out retiring. Just be like, you know, just like you may see me, you may not like <laughs> if the right project comes along, I'll do it. But, um, yeah, I, I get so annoyed with that. There's there's so many actors, so many musicians, so many artists are like, I'm done. This is the last one. And then it's like that goes on for 20 years. Like, <laughs> well, is it is it Kiss having their second farewell tour right now? I don't know. <laughs> I'm at, was it Guns N' Roses that have done like probably 20 farewell tours? It's it, it's annoying. Yeah. So, but yeah, Robert Redford, he just, I, as much as like, I mean, I do know of him and, and if you watch any, any type of films or you know anything, you should be aware of him. I just, he has like this, this charm about him that. Oh um, yeah. And that plays into this episode oh, amazingly. Yeah. And it's just, he just has this thing where you're just like, no matter what's going on, it's like, you just want to trust him, which I mean, you know, and it's like you, it's just, it's great. Like, and I recently watched, it was like this time last year uh, when I watched Jeremiah Johnson and like that's that's such an interesting film because he 
you know, you, you feel like you're on his side for a lot of it, but then there's these really harsh situations that happen that it's like, how do you still relate? Like it's, it's, it was an interesting film. It's, 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 uh, something, if you've not seen it, check it out that I posted the gif of him nodding, which I didn't know that was him for the longest time because he looks a little, looks a little chubby in that, in that gif of him nodding with his big bushy beard, that very famous, uh, gif image. Um, yeah. but yeah, uh, that's, uh, so if you want to watch the Jeremiah Johnson, be like, where'd that gift come from? That's how they watch that movie. But just, he has this, like, just this warmth that you, you gravitate towards. And, it, and there's, there's only so many like, like, uh, people that are actors that they, you just, no matter what you're just, you, they just exude it. And, and it was good on a uh, Sterling and company to pick up on him early and knowing that, you know, that he had something and, and and I don't know the role he's playing in this episode, how well it would have been handled by others that we've seen. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not the most, uh, a demanding role from an actor no. in it. And no. we'll, we'll talk about it cause there's not really much to do, but the last couple minutes needed the perfect person for it. And I think Robert Redford was that perfect person. Yeah. I agree. Um, so I, I totally agree with you. Hats off to the casting Hats off to Serling. Hats off to Lamont Johnson, whoever is involved with getting him in this episode, because they knew exactly what they were going for. And um, Robert Redford was the best pick for it. And well, and Gladys Cooper had a little bit of a little bit of sway in that. We'll get to that later as well. <laughs> <laughs> Some uh, saucy inside there. Yeah, I'm excited. You're, you're, you're like I, I don't I don't want to always just tease something for like the big letdown. You're going to enjoy the story. Let's let's I'm, <laughs> keep teasing it. Um, and then we have one last uh, person other than Serling himself. Yes, we do. So we have uh, R.G. Armstrong, and I kind of teased this at the beginning. Um, I've known this actor forever because he pops up in pretty much everything. Um, His his name is Robert Golden Armstrong. Golden Armstrong. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I was saying. I never knew what the R.G. stood for. Um, It's Robert Golden. So in his biography on uh, IMDb, (laughs) the first line is, a golden career was reflected in his name. Jesus. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, uh, first movie after that statement I'm going to bring up is Lone Wolf McQuaid with Chuck Norris. <laughs> so, yep, that's R.G. Armstrong, uh, Robert Golden. No, he was uh, he was in a ton of stuff. I mean, Predator, Children of the Corn, uh, one of my all-time favorites, Race with the Devil. Mm-hmm. He was in Boss with Fred Williamson, uh, fantastic black exploitation western. Uh, my name is Nobody with Terrence Hill, White Lightning with the recently deceased Burt. Um, uh, oh my God! Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote down Burt in my notes. <laughs> it's like I'll remember the last yeah. name. And just staring at Burt, I'm like uh, Reynolds. Um, El Dorado with Bruce Wayne and Robert Mitchum, Dick Tracy, the car um, kind of tied into this show. He was uh, had a reoccurring role in Friday the 13th, the series as well. Those are my notes. I also wrote down he was in Werewolf, the TV series, which we've mentioned on the show a handful of yeah, times, which I still have not watched. And uh, funny, friends of our show on Trick or Treat Radio just recently, maybe within the past couple mo- months, somebody on that show brought up Werewolf. <laughs> I was like, man, I totally forgot I was going to watch that. Yeah. But I'm still going through Man from Uncle. So maybe after I get through those 100 some episodes, 
<laughs> and the eight movies or whatever it is. Um, I'll jump on the werewolf. Well, the good news is there's probably not a hundred episodes of werewolf. So you'll have, uh, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that didn't last. No. Um, and then also RG Armstrong was prune face and Dick Tracy. That's, I think that's yes. where I remember him uh, most from. So, um, yep. yeah. And then, uh, another fun one. Have you ever seen the beast within? Oh, oh, that's the kind of weird locust type of movie, right? Is that, yeah, the, it's yeah, directed yeah. by Tom Holland yeah. of, uh, child's play fame. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Beast Within is is crazy. It's fantastic though. Yeah, I watched that. I watched that too young. <laughs> like that, like, like I didn't understand what was going on, and like it, there's just there's just I have flashes of images from that film in my head that are probably not nearly as scary now, but they really bothered me as a kid. So yeah, that's a. Uh, that's, that's funny you bring up uh, flashes of imagery because that's all I remembered from this episode <laughs> from when I was younger. Um, have you seen nothing in the dark this episode to well, kind of transition the, into that? Yeah. So you like for the, like this was my first time seeing this episode for the show, uh, just through the process of us getting ready for this. I've now seen it three times. So I'm very familiar <laughs> with this now, but I was like, so I didn't know. So a little bit of a story, like we'll get into the actual like episode proper, but this was actually the last episode shot for season two. Um, and this one and, um, uh, the grave—that's what it was called, right? The one with um, Lee Van Cleef and um, Lee Marvin, right? Uh, yeah. Those were those were actually shot for season two, and they were shelved. And um, with the knowledge that, like, that they could be put into season three, uh, so that I, so I knew about like that that that's like its placement and its production, but I didn't know anything else about the episode. Um, so that's why, if you when we see this one, there's no actual title card in it because it was that was a decision made for season three for all those episodes. Um, so it looks a little different than anything else we've seen in season three, other than the grave, but that's, that's about all I, I, that's all I knew about it. Yeah. I, I just remember, like you said, flashes of imagery from this and I, I couldn't put the pieces together. Remember what happened. I remembered that death was involved and I remembered a little shack. I didn't remember it being snowing outside. I didn't remember it being a city. I thought it was kind of like out in the country. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like Dust Bowl or something. Um, but I, I remember just kind of flashes. And I think it speaks to the strength of the cinematography and the set design in this that we'll kind of get into. Yeah, with the but name of this that, was though. definitely one of those ones I watched in one of my friend's basement on VHS taped off a TV. <laughs> It's just the title made me think that this was more going to be like, I, I think the imagery in my mind thinks comes up more like Agnes Moorhead and the invaders. You're right. Kind of like that rural cabin type of thing. And yeah, you're right. This was not at all what I was expecting um, in terms of like my initial glance at it. So yeah, we'll get into more into that, but yeah, this first time I'd seen it. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find, I should have uh, written it down. The actual, uh, the original name of this, the story because he wrote a treatment for this to begin with and then he ended up kind of reworking it for the show and things changed a little bit and now i can't find the name of it yeah there's nothing in the dark that wasn't there when the light was on Hmm. was the original title for it i could see why they changed that (laughs) yeah (laughs) but it kind of gives you a little context of uh of where they got the name of this yeah, episode. That makes sense. So, all right. Um, there's your, your, uh, long talk about three people. Um, so hope you guys enjoyed that. But, uh, do you have anything else about, um, cast and crew? Nope. No, we can jump into the story. We'll get into Serling, uh, staring at himself in a mirror and he'll take it away.
An old woman living in a nightmare. An old woman who has fought a thousand battles with death and always won. Now she's faced with a grim decision, whether or not to open a door. And in some strange and frightening way, she knows that this seemingly ordinary door leads to the Twilight Zone. So what did you think about the mirror, him looking into a mirror, and then it coming, cutting over to him talking to the camera? You know, a little, I like it. A he seemed pretty excited about it. <laughs> he did. <laughs> so. Well, because you had to get it right. Because if you didn't turn, if you didn't turn the right way, like you're wasting film, right? So I'm sure he had to, he had to be very excited about that. But um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so um, we'll backtrack a little bit. Uh, I, I just love whenever there is that kind of a uh, 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 different intro with him, like kind of clever intro of putting Serling into the shot. He always says that little gleam in his eye. He does. Whenever they can pull something off like that. I love it. Yeah. I, that's, I, I enjoy it too. Like, I mean, I know I always kind of joke about how, like how, what kind of dramatic interest I'd like to see him make in these episodes, but that was a fun one. Cause it's like, but it's also funny because we watched an episode called the mirror and they didn't do that in that episode. Yeah. <laughs> like, so whatever, that's fine. I mean, they, maybe they were like, Oh no, no, no. We already did that before. Cause this was shot before the mirror. But anyway, I, I, it was, it was nice to, for them. Cause I mean, uh, the set dressing, it does play a role in what happens. So it was kind of nice that, 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 that gag kind of has a payoff later, even though like Sterling's the one that set it up. So I did like that too. Um, yeah. so a, a gag, like that's like, like a joke, but, uh, but anyway, um, so we start off, there's a really, really nice tracking shot on the soundstage of this, of, of the setting of where we meet, uh, where we meet Wanda. And I like how how um, slow and quiet it kind of starts off, and we just kind of see her in this darkened like subfloor of this building, and she's just surrounded by like her belongings. But it's kind of like a hoarder type of mentality, almost hoarder like. Um, yeah, it's it's just clutter. Yeah. Most of it just looks like garbage. Yeah, uh, the windows are boarded up. The door is chained shut. Uh, you just get the idea that she is hiding from something mm. um, w- without anything happening, even from the very, very first shot. And this episode, we'll get it out of the way at, right at the front here, is shot in one location. Mm-hmm. Like, it is just shot in this room. Uh, there are glimpses of of the outside. There are glimpses of other sets, but all we get is this room for the entirety of the episode. And much like... Um, another Lamont Johnson episode, five characters in search of an exit. Uh, the way he shoots the interiors on this is un- unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it, it's George T. Clemens as well. I mean, he's the director of photography on all these episodes, but just the way Lamont Johnson is kind of setting up these episodes to be almost like stage plays is just incredible. The fact that you can make them interesting just on one location well, and, is, and, is great. And having like um, having all the different objects and the different like, you know, ways you can kind of move things around provides some interesting texture. Like at the very beginning, uh, the, the yeah, shadows... which I guess is the exact opposite of five characters in search of an exit because he had an empty room. <laughs> yeah. But... I mean, I but still, I mean, if you you uh, work with what you have to tell the most interesting story. And I know you and I were both over the moon about that one. And there's nothing there, you know, and this one. Like even the beginning, whenever their their shadows going through the chair, like she has these chairs kind of pushed up against her bed, almost like in the fear that she's going to roll out and hurt herself. 
Like, uh, but there's these shadows that cut through the chair that make it look like prison bars. And that, and that, uh, imagery and motif kind of keeps showing up throughout the episode. Um, yeah, there's the bed frame yeah. or head, I guess the headboard or whatever you want to call it later on the episode as well. Yeah. It's a good call. So yeah, you see her sleeping in the bed and you hear noises outside. Um, and you see through the boards in the window, there's a police officer out there and there's something going on. Um, you hear the the officer whistle at someone. There's a gunshot, multiple gunshots, and you hear a car driving away. Um, so at this point, she's she's listening to all this happening, and she hears someone calling for help outside. Yeah, and I, I wrote my notes. She must live on Crime Alley, like like in, like in Batman. I just I just feel oh, like yeah. <laughs> just it feels like yeah, the, just the the pearls like start <laughs> dropping through the window. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so uh, yeah, and then you, you she hears a cry for help, and then she goes looking out through her door because she has like the little like security chain, and she sees uh, Robert Redford's character of um, Harold Belden lying on the ground, and he's just he's just calling out for help, saying you know I've been shot, and she's like. You know, she's like, don't, don't, you know, she's like, don't, why are you doing this to me? You know, type of thing. And she's like, don't make me, basically, don't make me feel guilty for you being out there because I know who you are, you know? Yeah. And he's like, if you don't help me, I'm going to bleed to death. And then he's looking up at her with his Robert Redford face. And of course, yeah, I was going to yeah. say for, for a man who is just shot and is dying and laying in the snow, he looks pretty like good. that hair, <laughs> yeah. that hair is like perfect. Yeah. Like so perfect. I wish I had a head of hair like that. That is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, I would just, I would be like, I, I know, like I might be worried about life, but I'm going to let you in Robert Redford. <laughs> that would be like, <laughs> just uh, wink at me one more time. I'll wink let you me. in. <laughs> oh, please. We're going to talk about a wink later that it is, that is plain as day. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Um, but yeah, so she, um, you can tell that she's conflicted. Like she doesn't want to go out to him, but at the same time, like her better nature is like, taking over because there is like a police officer shot so she opens the door and goes out and uh she touches him and she's like oh she's like i touched you and nothing happened you know and so um she helps him into her you know her abode and uh yeah like i for someone who's also gotten multiple uh gunshots he's able to to kind of motor around pretty well like (laughs) well it it is pretty funny because there's moment there's there's a long stretch of this episode where there's just exposition and dialogue (laughs) happening and then like it the five minutes later, it's like, oh yeah, I was shot. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like, don't forget, I'm in a lot of pain. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's a minor problem with the episode, but it's just it's kind of funny because I mean, it all makes he looks sense. Totally relaxed for most of the episode um, until those couple of moments where it's like, oh yeah, I was shot. Ah, but it does make sense later on. It does um, make sense, but yeah, I put in my notes here. Where it was like, um, oh, I was like, oh, there goes my bullet wound again. Like that's what it felt like. <laughs> But yeah, she she doesn't have a telephone. You find out she has no neighbors. All the neighbors left, um, all moved out of the area. You find that this is kind of like a rundown neighborhood and everything. Um, but so he brings she brings him inside, and she never calls a doctor. And so that's when she kind of tells him about the situation and everything. She doesn't have a phone. And that's the whole thing. Yeah. Like she tells him. Yeah, that's why I said there's, there's no phone or anything, no neighbors. So there's really yeah. no one to call for help. Yeah, Um, but then she she kind of goes into um, like I can't have a doctor come here because it might be him. It might be Mr. Death. And you find out what she's really afraid of. Yeah. And that's uh, interesting. Like she has like it's um, 
Wanda, the the actress Glass Cooper, goes into this like bit that on the surface sounds it sounds a bit absurd, but she is so committed to it. Talking about whenever um, you know she first started seeing Mister Death and how he kept showing yeah, up. She, yeah. Well, I love the bus ride story, yeah. and the camera just kind of slowly moves in on her face as she's telling the story, and you can see that she fully believes this, and she's. She's petrified by all this and she sells it so well. So she tells him a story of how she was on a bus years ago and there was an old lady in front of her knitting and a young man got on the bus, sat beside her and um, just his presence was making her upset. And eventually she dropped the yarn. He picked it up when she when he handed it to her, their fingers touched. Next exit, he got off the bus when they finally got to their final destination. Um the old lady had died. Yeah. And so she, she said she's seen this man many times since then, many different faces, but she's known it's him and she's the only one that can seize him. I, I like see him. She was like, Oh, he was from the gas company. He was, there was a contractor from the city. It's like, she's just naming people that are coming up to her where she's at. She's like, Oh, nope, that's him. And then, um, and then, uh, uh, Belden asks her like, well, how can, you know, there's people that die, like all over the world all the time. How could one person do this? And she's like, I don't know. Like, basically she's like, there could be more of them, but I like that. He's like giving the idea of Santa Claus to her. And it, like, the like how could one man do this all in one night? You know? So I, yeah. I like the idea that Santa's Mr. Death. We just don't know that. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but the whole thing is like, she, you know, she said, she admitted that when she was younger, she loved being outside and she loved, you know, outdoors and being in the light yeah, but then she realized that as she got older, this is whenever she was starting to see Mr. Death because the younger people wouldn't because they, they weren't paying attention. But she she says she has like a clarity that the younger people don't have. And so she doesn't want to die, but she is seeing him more and more often. And this is why she won't go outside. And this is why she's living in basically squalor in this abandoned building and, and, and refusing to move because there's the potential of going outside and meeting him. Yeah, and she's got a line, better to live in the dark than to not live at all. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of sums it up. And they go through a little thing where he's like, well, how do you eat if you don't go out or anything? And she says she has a delivery boy who brings her food and everything, and she slips the money under the door and waits till he's gone to grab it and everything. Um, Yeah, because he might be be a little deaf. You don't know that. Yeah. It might be be (laughs) deaf junior. You don't know. Yeah. but like so, it, like it sets up like a decent enough plausibility of like she. You don't know her her background. Like she may have been well off enough, and now like everything's just kind of she has like whittled down like everything away to where all she does is survive. And in her mind, as much as she is, um, you know, she's depressed by it. The idea of being dead is more depressing. So it's like that's as. It, it, it's very tragic and, 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 and obviously, you know, she gets, she sells it very well. Um, but it's a much darker statement, uh, than the, the time this episode allows, you know, but it's, it's the more you think about it, the more, how many years has she done this, you know? And it's a very, it's very sad. Like the, the more, the more you think about how much she shut off her life just to keep living. Yeah. And it, it kind of plays on the theme of like, are you really living if your whole life is just being afraid of dying? You know, if, if you're avoiding death your whole life, are you, are you living or are you just surviving? Yeah. Um, so it kind of plays off that theme the whole time. 
Uh, but th- I remember this episode being scary for some reason when I was younger. Hmm. Like I, it's one of those things. Like I remembered like a grim reaper in this episode that is not in here. <laughs> like I remember this being a horror episode. So when I'm watching this, I was, I had this impression that at some point this was going to turn into horror, but it does not like it's, it's partially sad. And then it, it takes a turn that we're about to get to. Um, this so, very interesting is not where I was expecting it to go. And it's not where I remember this episode so going wait, at all. You're telling me that but, you remember seeing death, but you don't see it now and no one else sees it. Is that what you're telling yeah, me? I, I guess that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, yeah. Kevin, I just think you should probably stay in your house, but thank God you have all the movies on the internet though. So you'll be okay. Just tie, just tie some uh, money to your dog's collar and send him out to go buy food. He'll probably eat it before he comes back. But there's the hope, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> death will have to email me. Death I don't know. And you can email us yeah. just like death at yeah. Strange Highways Podcast. Oh, no, I got cc by death. Back. Should I reply all? No, don't do that. <laughs> um, he wants uh, to send me an attachment. No, don't open that attachment. <laughs> um, yeah. So He poked me on Facebook. <laughs> I mean, if death pokes you, you know, you're out the door. That's that's yeah. I know that. So I don't know if they still do that on Facebook, but I don't I don't think so. I think they, just, they probably uh, shouldn't. That I seems think, like a bad idea. I think they just sell your data. Everybody now. I think that's all they do. Not, I think that's, they, that's what they call poking. You know? <laughs> um. <laughs> they poke your credit score. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, you're the episode here. Like, so it, it does take a turn because like they're having this discussion. She's established that she's like looking out for Mr. Death, which by the way, in terms of the twilight zone, this is the third time death has been referred to as Mr. Death that I could think of. And it's kind of, cause it's just weird because the first time we, we hear of it, it was actually a character called Mr. Death and one for the angels, which was yeah. what the, 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 the third episode, something like that of the, of the first season. And then there was mentioned one other time and I, I just can't remember which one, but I think that's an odd identifier, Mr. Death, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you don't want to be too informal. with him. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's bill death over there. No, but I just, but to call it like, I just, it just feels like that's one of those weird things that keeps coming back. And it's oddly a specific title for this. Maybe, maybe they couldn't say the grim reaper. Maybe there was a standards thing that they couldn't get too, too dark with it. But I just, whenever she said Mr. Death, it makes me think of that guy in the, the shirt and tie from that episode chasing that, um, oh, uh, Mr. Wynn, uh, you know, like the salesman selling the shitty toys. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, anyway, so I was expecting, you know, Mr. Death to show up and be like, no, I'm dealing with the salesman. I'll be, I'll be over in a second. He won't shut up. I have to buy laces from him right now. Then I'll be able to deal with you. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Robert Redford's character, this is the moment where like he's like, oh, yeah, I was shot. I'm in pain. <laughs> so he's kind of in pain, and yeah. uh, they they kind of back away with the shot, and you can see the window again, and you hear something outside. You see a man look in, and he knocks on the door. So uh, obviously um, Wanda's kind of terrified, and she's not going to answer the door, and Robert Redford convinces her, Harold, uh, I got to stop referring to them as their actor's name, uh, their real names. He's like, there's nothing to be afraid of. Just answer the door. You have to answer the door. So she she kind of opens it. There's still a security chain on there. And it's the contractor coming to evict her because he's going to be tearing down the building. So he he breaks down the door, knocks her over, and she falls out on the ground unconscious. 
Um, so next you see her waking up in the bed and she's still alive after he touched her. So obviously um, the contractor is not Mr. Death. Yeah. He just, you know, he's just uh he has a gold, golden Armstrong. Uh, uh, no, uh, so he, he goes on to tell her like, lady, like, didn't you get the, 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 the notice that like, like I'm here to tear down all of this. Like they, that's why everybody's gone. It's like, this place is, you know, it's, it's uh, the building's just shot. We need to tear it down. And he has this whole yeah, building's been condemned by the city. Yeah. It's, it's dangerous. It's not meant to live. And he kind of draws the parallel between, uh, a demolishing building, building new, uh, developing, uh, new buildings and stuff on that land. He kind of draws that parallel between that and, the old making way for the new mm-hmm. and people dying off and uh, people being born and everything. Um, it, it's it's kind of on the nose, but it, it's a nice little touch for a 20 minute episode, you know? Yeah. And so then um, she's still saying she refuses to go. That's when she's clutching onto the, the bed, the back of the bed. And she looks like a prisoner again, um, really effective. And so he's basically like, ladies, like, you know, like I'll come help take your stuff out, but I'm coming back in an hour. And if you don't, you know, get out of here though, I'm going to call a cop. And then, so she turns and looks at, um, you know, uh, at uh, Belden and like waiting for him to say something. And yeah. She's like, can you, can you explain to him what's going on? Yeah. And, uh, uh, the contractor basically turns. He's like, who are you talking to? <laughs> and then she's like the, the, the cop that's just right here. And he just, he has that moment of just like, okay, lady, I'll be back in an hour with the cop. And he just leaves. It's like, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where he's like, I don't know what's going on here, but I, I have a job to do and I'm trying to be nice. But you, know, you get that notion of like, I'm not getting paid to deal with all of this. And he just leaves. Um, yeah, and, so he makes yeah. his golden exit. His golden and, exit. Uh, <laughs> and so she's, she's upset and she's like, why wouldn't you speak to him? And he basically tells her to look in the mirror. And so she walks over to the mirror and as it, and as you see the reflection, you see that nobody is laying in the bed on the other side of the room. Mm-hmm. So she realizes that Harry Belden, who, Harold Belden, who yeah. has been there the whole time, um, is actually Mr. Death. You find out that Robert Redford is Robert Deadford. That's what you find out. That's oh, what man. you find You're, out. That wind up. I was. <laughs> I hope that was written in your notes. Um, it is actually. Yes. <laughs> And I just want to just let everybody know I'm stone cold sober with that one. So like, that's, that's not my typical, uh, my, my, my typical genius in my muse. No, I've been sitting on oh, that pun man. for about a month now. So like, you're All welcome. Right, guys. That's I, that's it. <laughs> yeah. That's strange highways for a guess. Oh. It was, it was actually, it was actually my twist rating where I wrote that Redford was Deadford question mark. That was going to be my twist, but that was, you know. Uh, yeah, so uh, I I could feel that wind up coming for months. I <laughs> <laughs> like 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 was it like last week you woke up you're like something feels something feels different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you you put your you put your ear down to where the train tracks once were and knew the train was coming eventually. Right, that's what. Yeah, <laughs> I wrote something he ought <laughs> he should. <laughs> Uh, I really, I really actually pulled my shoulder out, patting myself on the back with that really bad joke when I was typing it out a month ago. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's going to be one of those things. Every time I see Robert Redford, it's going <laughs> to pop in my head though. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so Amazing. anyway, yeah, that's, for, forgive me stepping on the, the actual wonderful dramatic moment of this episode, but I kind of, kind of pissed it away there, but yeah. Um, and it, it actually, there there's, it's an interesting transition because it becomes this bit of where 
both her and he are looking straight at the camera as they're delivering their dialogue. And it's this very like slow movement of, of Redford getting up out of the bed and like talking to her in these nice, like gentle, like comforting tones. And he just like, he like puts his arm up against like the, the brick wall and he keeps talking to her, but he's making direct eye contact with you as the viewer. And it's very, um, it's, I mean, comfort is not the right word, but it's very uh, like assured, you know? And yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's basically saying like, I had to make you understand saying is like, he had to let the contractor in to make that explanation about old making way for the new and everything. And, uh, that, sometimes you just have to let go of things and he's like am i really that bad i'm the same i'm the same as that contractor like i basically like i'm i'm here to do my job like it's it's i'm not the bad guy like you just have to trust me and everything and he he's saying like you're not you're not afraid of dying you're just afraid of the unknown like just give me your hand and he's reaching his hand out and everything and that's when you get that uh the wink. that fantastic <laughs> wink and uh i i mean i would go anywhere with that wink like that <laughs> i was fully charmed at that moment yeah, it's um, like oh you want you want me to leave to leave this mortal coil and join you absolutely like you know like that would be uh but it was like the first time i watched it, i'm like did he just wink at the camera like i just it was like so it was so quick but it was like yeah you know he just like all they all they needed was a little 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 starburst on his tooth like the, the little ding, ding. to go like that would have been like Perfect. But um, she, she takes his hand and he was like, and here what you were worried about being like an explosion is, is more of a whisper, you know? And, and, he, and, and she says, okay, well, like, when will we go? And he's like, well, like, look at the bed. And she's lying there already passed. And so he gently took her across, like, you know, like the, the, the threshold. Right. And, um, and then they hold like hand in hand or arm in arm and they, they leave this apartment and they walk out into the snow and yeah. that's, that's, and yeah. that's, that's probably my favorite shot of this episode is the final shot. Cause as they leave the threshold of the doorway, the lights go out in the apartment, whatever you want to yeah. call it. The, it's not really an apartment, but um, like as they leave that room and go outside, the lights go out like timed with the shot. And then, the camera never actually leaves the apartment mm -hmm. and you watch them walk away. Yeah, and no. it's such an amazing final shot to this episode. And he says, well, was it look, we've already begun. I think that's what he said. And it's just a very nice, yeah. like yeah. gentle, like, um, you know, send off. And, and not that, not that the twilight zone is not capable of compassion or kindness or like the soft landing like this. Um, but you're always kind of, you're always still sometimes waiting for that little little like little jab or that little turn of like oh you know but this one other than you know like you find out that she actually let death in but the twist is that you know he's he's not that bad of a guy at least to her he might be an asshole to everybody else i don't know but it's uh you know it you're sometimes you wait for the other shooter drop and this this episode never did that purposefully and it's to its credit yeah I, I like as much as I love the darker endings and everything. I love when they kind of play with your uh, your expectations of the show to take that dark turn at the end. And, and like you said, you're waiting on, and you're not totally trusting um, uh, Robert Redford there. It's like he's charming as hell, but like 
you just wait for something to happen. Like he's too charming, mm-hmm. but then it really leaves you on this sweet, gentle moment, this whispering moment as he takes her away. And, um, it, it's, it's not quite you, ex- what you would expect. And it's not what I remembered of this episode. Maybe I was just too young when I saw this and I, maybe I wasn't paying attention cause I was a <laughs> very young and everything. Um, but, I remember this episode being darker and my expectations going into it were darker and uh, it, it ended up being such a sweet, quiet ending that yeah. I was, I was kind of, I was surprised by that. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a twist that I wasn't expecting <laughs> uh, tonally, I guess, rather than in, uh, <laughs> in concept. Yeah. I mean, it just, it um, like talking about this episode, makes me view it more favorably. And I'm not saying it's a bad episode because it's not bad at all. Performances are good uh, because it is such a light touch that the first time it kind of was like, that's it type of thing. That's kind of how I felt kind of after watching it, but after kind of reading about it and then watching it a few more times like this, this is the one that you got, you got to be in the right like mindset to watch it. And it's unfortunate that if you've not seen it before and are expecting like the, you know, this other thing, then the, the gentleness of it is not going to come through or not going to hit you the same way as it should. Um, so upon the reviewing and the, the discussion of you, like this, this is, this is warming up much more for me than the first time I watched it where I'm just like, I, the first time I'm like, all right, well, that's it. That's the ending of that episode. And it was very, it kind of left me kind of wanting, you know? And so uh, this one does this, this one, this one is better upon the rumination as opposed to the first time viewing. Yeah, just it's one of those things too. like, uh, you know, I've talked about the parallels between episodes we're covering and what's going on in my personal life and everything Um, just I was at a wake this evening. It was somebody I I was there for support. It wasn't anyone I was close with or anything, but it was still, you know, going to funerals and that kind of thing. It's it's never a light situation for whoever it's for. but it, coming home and doing my notes and kind of turn the episode on and everything, it just it, it was it was a nice way to end a kind of uh, uh, depressing evening mm-hmm. with a depressing subject. So it, it was one of those times like so many of the episodes we've covered where it just it, it hit me at the right time. Yeah. And it just kind of had parallels with what was going on in my personal life. And it, it's it's weird how that keeps happening on the show. Um but it, credit credit to uh, Serling and the writers involved with the show that it it holds up and still can affect you in that way to this day. Yeah, um, I, I completely agree. So uh, before we get to the twist, are you ready for the the salacious story that I gotta I gotta tell you about uh about our actors here? And by salacious, yes, it's not definitely. That salacious. I am pumped. For All right. This. <clears throat> so I'm gonna I'm gonna read this ver- verbatim out of the Twilight Zone Encyclopedia. Go buy yours today, Stephen J. Rubin. A really good little book. So. Um, recall director Lamont Johnson. It was a beautiful script from George Clayton Johnson. I think that they're both because they're named Johnson. I think that's why they got each other's back. Johnson and Johnson. Anyway, I, um, I had previously worked with Glass Cooper, a distinguished and elegant British theater and film actress, at, and she um, was playing an old lady who feared death. Uh, Glass was a very tough lady, and I needed an actor to play Mr. Death. I called Ethel Winnett, the casting director, who, who was an old friend of mine back in the Pasadena Playhouse days. Um, what was it? Had worked. They also worked on the the Twilight Zone. I asked her, uh, "Who was that terrific kid who had that scene um, on that Playhouse ninety last night uh, that you cast?" 
And she's like, I don't know. His name's Bob something. Um, I don't know his last name. But th- isn't that great? To, like, there's a world where there's Robert Redford. And you're like, it's Bob. It's Bob. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'll look <laughs> him up and get him to you. So she calls back and tells me it's Redford. Uh, and he'll be at my office at 2 o'clock in the morning. Or two, 2 o'clock, not in the morning, but for a reading. So I met him. He read. I asked him if he could come back and read with Gladys Cooper. He said he really wanted to meet her. So he came back and they read together. And I could see the lovely light of lechery in her eyes as she looked at him because he was a very attractive young man <laughs> and he was delightful in it. So a nice chemistry developed in the reading. So I said, thank you, Mr. Redford. We'll let you know. Uh, and as he walked out the door and the minute the door was closed, she reached out over and said, darling, get him for me. Like a tigress about to pounce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. Yeah. I, <laughs> So I, I just enjoyed that whole, like, you know, like that he, description is probably better than <laughs> how she actually did it. Like a tigress about to pounce is a perfect way to describe that. Yeah. I love it. Like a lion yeah. on your bed when you walk in after losing your lion charm, you know, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, um, I, I kind of teased also the other thing I want to get to. Uh, so uh, <laughs> George Clayton Johnson actually admitted that he got the idea from this episode from a Bradbury short story called the death and the maiden that was in a, uh, the magazine of fantasy and science fiction in 1960. Um, it's about death comes to this castle where there's this, uh, character old ma'am who is locked in her castle and he basically charms her and shows her, um, if he, if he comes with her, she'll get her youth back and, She'll go to this great other side and everything, and she'll get to enjoy the afterlife. And basically, it takes her away, and she ends up living happily ever after in the uh, on the other side. She ends up dying, and it actually is exactly what death describes it. Like, she gets her youth back, she's happy, and she lives in bliss in this beautiful afterlife. Hmm. And that's the short story. Um, so, George Clayton Johnson actually described this story as being like, uh, <laughs> what did he say? Um, it, man, I can't find the quote exactly, but he basically said it was like a perfect plagiarized story <laughs> from Bradbury. <laughs> it's a perfect Bradbury forgery when you stop to think about it. <laughs> That's funny. Is the quote he said. So he totally admitted he got the idea for the basis of this episode from that. Obviously it, it, it does differ in many ways. And, um, but it, there's no denying when you look at the two of those hmm. that he couldn't have read that, uh, a year earlier and not had some idea from that. But I guess the short story was a little bit different too. So he is in the short, er, er, I guess the treatment, not the short story. Cause there is no short story available as far as I could tell. Um, so basically all of those characters she's describing the contractor, the gas man, the electric man, whoever else was coming, the delivery boy and everyone, they all one by one would come to the door. And eventually they all come through the door and uh, a Harold Belden character sees them and they all have different faces. She sees them all as having the same faces. So when they finally get into the room, she ends up falling through a hole in the floor and dying. Oh. And when she goes into the hearse, when uh, Harold Belden sees her being taken away in the hearse or the ambulance or whatever, the driver has the face that she was describing that all of these other people had. Uh, so she was seeing that. So it, it, 
I don't. It feels more Twilight Zoney. Like it it's it's kind of got that uh, that twist that would have been something like um, like twenty two uh, or a stop in Willoughby. Like yeah, I was gonna kinda, say a stop in Willoughby yeah. is what uh, that twist reminds me of. So I'm happy he kind of tweaked it for the final uh, teleplay for this because this is a lot more subtle and the way it plays with your expectation uh, plays a little bit better than going with that straight dark twist. Mm-hmm. So. so. Here's a thought. I just had this today while watching this again with, with the revival of the twilight zone happening on CBS all access. How amazing would it be? Cause they're, they're doing, they're, they're updating some of the episodes that people know, like they got Adam Scott to be in a terror at, um, you know, whatever, however many thousand feet. So they're doing a wing Walker yeah. episode. How great would it be to convince Robert Redford to come back and do an updated version of nothing in the dark where he is the older man that doesn't want to die. How, how awesome would That'd that be? be? Amazing. You know, like it's just a nice little bookend. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, I, I would be totally down for that. Um, I think he could definitely pull off the other, uh, the other character. Yeah, you know, I mean, um, I, I just think that I think you could still explore that and still and come away from a little different. But also, I, if the new Twilight Zone doesn't also have some of that, some of that gentleness to it too, then you know, some something's wrong. But I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think it's going to have fun. I think it's going to have heart. But it would be, it would be something that just because I don't know, like you know, he's at the at this like well, you know, well known career. Which I mean, at the same time, you could argue that um, like uh, Glass Cooper had this illustrious career. And was doing it's like it would just there's something that is just makes too much sense to me and I'm not in Hollywood and I'm not going to make it happen but that would be really cool. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, RG uh, Robert Golden Armstrong passed away in 2013 or uh, maybe it was really 2003 or something maybe, but um that would have been cool to have him return as well. But yeah, so um, yeah, that that would be really cool though. I I hope they do stuff like that. I hope there's some. Uh, nods back to the original series when they can just, but if you, not i'm okay could you imagine way. like hey robert redford i know you're like you know this like star of, 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 of you know of the films and you're thinking about retiring would you come back and do an episode on a streaming service like, like that feels like you know <laughs> like you know like we know what you're capable of did you want to go on this like cbs streaming service show but i mean it's the twilight zone right but it's like it feels like that would be a weird thing to be like hey you got 20 minutes like that would be but i you know Everything so far about what they've been putting out about this new series is is feeling right. I wish, I wish there wasn't as many announcements of like redos of episodes, but I still feel like you got to get the people in the seats, so to speak, to get them yeah. excited and then and then bring out some different stuff. Um, but yeah, I just I now that now that I've seen this, I would love to see Rob, Redford um, approach it again. Yeah, I I've actually. <laughs> I, I haven't really read much about the new Twilight Zone series. And it's funny because we do the show and I should probably be keeping up on it. But I, I kind of want to go in not expecting anything with it. Oh, well, then Adam Scott definitely is not in a remake of the Wing Walker episode. So that that's not happening. I didn't. <laughs> All I, right. <laughs> thank you. Perfect. <laughs> as long no, as you, it's, it's fine. Like, I, I have to keep up on it for the show. But and, and how amazing it's one of those things where I, it, the more I read about something, it seems the less interested I get. What if what if they sneak in Shatner and Lithgow into that episode? That would be, I don't. Oh, it, would, it would be like what if Shatner is the is on the wing? That, <laughs> that'd be a nice uh, uh, flip but, for him. But like not destroying the engine, he's just out there. Like that would be amazing. Yeah. Like, he's just he's just shooting a commercial yeah. for uh, Priceline. Uh, Priceline, yeah. 
Like, you know, he didn't negotiate for a seat on the plane, but he negotiated a price for the flight, you know? So I, I, I would like that. We didn't say where you would be sitting. <laughs> Just, you know, that you would be, you'd be, you know, on the flight. Um, but yeah, anyway, that, enough about, enough about silly things. Uh, did you have anything else about this episode uh, improper that you wanted to talk about? No, it's, it's pretty simplistic episode. Um, everything it's trying to say is kind of right there in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's really raised up above um, uh, some of the other episodes just based on the production quality and the performances from the actors. And I, I know I say that a lot with these episodes, but um, there's a lot of good people behind the scenes on the show. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and it, Lamont Johnson and George Clayton Johnson are definitely two all stars that uh, have impacted the look and feel of the show. So I'm not surprised that this one ended up being one of the higher marks for me in this season. All right. So yeah, let's just, uh, it's got to do it. Let's just rate the twist. All right. Uh, like I said previously, uh, that, that Redford was Deadford. I was going to give that a two, but that death was more kind than traumatic. I didn't, I didn't necessarily see that. So I'm going to give it a three. Yeah. Um, man. Yeah. I, I agree with you with the Robert Redford. Like it, not surprising that he ended up being Mr. Death, but I really enjoyed the light touch and the positive ending. And I know that kind of goes against my character saying I enjoyed the light ending, but um, <laughs> maybe it was just playing against my history with the episode and remembering things that weren't there in it, that it really caught me off guard and I ended up really enjoying it. And I'm going to give that aspect of the twist a four. Wow. I'll say, just keep in mind about a year ago this time, I, uh, rewatched a Christmas episode of Twilight Zone and it became one of my favorite of the season. So, you know, holiday miracles happen, you know? So like, um, yeah. So that's all. Yeah. I got nothing else other than, you know, it's a magical time and we, we, we believe in, in the, in in the love of Robert Redford's, uh, wink. I don't know. I got nothing. (laughs) That's all I believe in. All right, that's going to do it for uh, Nothing in the Dark. Uh, so, Kevin, how can people get a hold of us? Um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Strange Highways Podcast. And please, if you haven't, as we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, go check out our live show. It is on the Facebook page under videos. Uh, I think it might still be pinned to the it wall. Is. Yeah, it was pinned as the, the first Okay, thing. yeah. So, um, if, if you want to go check out the please go check it out. Let us know what you thought of it. We'd love to hear from you. And if you want to let us know what you thought of it, you can email us at strangehighwayspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, subscribe to us and rate us on iTunes. It would really help us out. You can also find us on Stitcher, Podbean, Satchel, Google Music, uh, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. We are there. Yeah. So, all right. Next episode, uh, one more pallbearer. Um, all right. <clears throat> Next week on The Twilight Zone, we let you in on an extravagant practical joke, a man who wants to convey an illusion that the world is coming to an end. Now there are jokes, and then there are jokes. But this one stands all by itself as an exercise in the very different and the very bizarre. Our play is called One More Pallbearer, and we recommend it to you as something quite special. I, I Have you seen this one before? Um, cause I, I, I have not. All right. 
Um, so I, I did watch this in advance because we were preparing for, you know, our busy month. Um, I'm not going to say anything else. I am, I am highly interested about your thoughts on this episode when we get there. So, uh, yeah, next episode, one more Paul bear. Very excited. Yeah. And it's directed by Lamont Johnson. So we get, a we get a return. Yeah. So, all right. That's going to do it for us this week. Um, yeah, I, I just, you know, have a safe week. Uh, you know, don't let the gas man in your house because it might be death. I just, I, that seems like not good advice, like to not trust people that are just trying to provide goods and services. You're like, yeah, but you could be, tr- you could be death that, you know, he's sneaky, but if he winks at you, yeah. let him in. That's what I was going to say. My, my only advice, if Robert Redford, um, especially this era, Robert Redford knocks on your door, puts his hand out and winks at you, you got to let him in. so bad am I really so frightening you've talked to me you've confided in me have I tried to hurt you it isn't me you're afraid of you understand me what you're afraid of is the unknown don't don't be afraid But I am afraid. The running's over. It's time to rest.